Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and I've encountered numerous people who have been deeply hurt by the church. So much so that some of them can't enter a church building without experiencing panic attacks. For some, especially those wounded in judgmental, legalistic environments, grace has become confusing, hard to see, and certainly hard to experience. And beneath all of their pain and some of the lies that they have absorbed, they really struggle. And others have walked away from the church completely. Now, in episode two of this podcast titled The Courage to Thrive with Anxiety, my daughter shared some of the pain she experienced growing up in faith circles while battling anxiety and depression, and I've invited her back today to share her experiences with church hurt specifically and how God has and is helping her find healing. Hi, Ash. Thanks for joining us again today. Hi, everyone. I've also brought Don Gentry, my friend, on today. Don has 20 years of ministry experience. She holds an MDiv degree from Emmanuel Christian Seminary in Ministry and Theology. She spent five years as a college professor at Milligan University and Nebraska Christian College, and she's served for the past one and a half years on staff at Christ Community Church in Omaha, as Executive Director of Adult Ministries. Don, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I know one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on, you've been in, in ministry circles for a really long time. And so you have seen some of the, the pain that I referenced. And so how would you explain what really is like spiritual abuse? Yeah, when I think about spiritual abuse, I think about someone who has some spiritual authority. It's not always a staff person necessarily, but someone who carries some weight in a church, an elder, a leader of some sort. And because of that spiritual authority, their words carry more weight than others and their opinions carry more weight. And so those who are in those churches, those circles, are impacted greatly by what they say and what they practice, what they see practiced at the church. So their influence is greater, and because of that, their responsibility is greater. And that's why the hurt carries so much farther, I think, because we look to these people as someone we should be able to trust. And when we realize we can't trust because of a hurt or a situation, then uh, we there's where there's potential for abuse to occur. And there's a spectrum, wouldn't you say, as far as like church hurt sure. and, and signif- some people experience significant abuse. Right. I think of it on a continuum you know, where you have somebody who's actually forced to behave in a certain way to meet the expectations of a charismatic church leader at one end of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum where maybe it's more of a, a personality where you feel like you should behave a certain way, but nobody's actually uh, driving it home or saying these are required in order to be a member at our church but they still feel the weight of that person's opinion because of the spiritual authority that they carry. Yeah, and I I do want to say before we get too far, we want to be super sensitive to those who have experienced deep significant trauma through a church environment or a religious environment, whether you've been, you know, maybe sexually abused or maybe you've been in a cult environment. So we just, first, we want to say we're so, so sorry. 
And and if that's you, we would encourage you to to get some therapy from someone that that you can trust that can help you work through those things and realize those are some pretty deep, significant wounds. So give yourself grace and give yourself time Mm -hmm. to heal. But today we're going to be discussing some of those hurts that maybe people have absorbed that they're not that they never realized that, okay, that was an abusive situation. This is how it has affected me. This is how it's affected my walk with Christ. And I know that's somewhat your story, correct? Yeah, I think that for a long time, I was a part of a unhealthy church dynamic that was in a small group environment. And I don't think that I really realized how much it affected me for you know, until I got out of it and experienced something healthy. And I, and I did carry some of the weight of what I had been told and what I had been led to believe about myself into the new healthy environment I had found. And my recent journey has been figuring out how to release that and move forward. And I think trust myself again and trust the church again. Talking about just the anxiety of in that process. So part of the toxic environment I was in, it was a lot of needing to keep up with appearances, needing to be perfect, while also like expecting some performative vulnerability. And so I was always told that I wasn't doing it right, right, that I wasn't enough, or that I was too much, that I needed to tone it down, that my personality wasn't right for leadership. I was too bossy and too much. And and so then I carried that feeling like I needed to tone myself down into other situations. And it was very confusing because outside of the church, I was seeing that I was excelling in leadership. In my career, in my schooling, I was continually picked for leadership roles and doing really well in them. And, and so there was this disconnect between what the secular world was telling me what I was really good at and what the church was telling me I was really bad at. That was confusing and made me feel like a core part of who I was was wrong. I would say that's one of the ways we can tell if that we're in an unhealthy environment, when they attack us as a person rather than seeking to address our behavior. And they don't do it in love and grace. They they do it from a place of condemnation, with giving the message either verbally or non-verbally, hey, this is defective, you are defective, and if you don't change, I'm cutting you off. I want nothing to do with you, and that's not grace. And I think that's also why those hurts can be so, so hurtful because they're a pretty deep rejection. We feel like we're being rejected for who we are, for our identity. But it can be confusing. That can be confusing because in faith circles, we know that we're there for mutual accountability and for mutual growth. And so when we hear these things, we might think, well, they're just trying to help me grow. They're just pointing out an area of weakness within me. And you might indeed have, we all have areas of weakness that that we need to work on continually. We're not Jesus, right? But again, if it's done in love and grace, it will be presented as, hey, I'm not, I don't think this is you at your best. I see better in you. I want to help you. I love you. I'm going to walk beside you. So if it's done in grace, you're actually pulling the person close and you're calling them up. When you do it in in hurt and condemnation, you're pushing them down and you're causing them potentially to doubt who they are and, and maybe even to doubt their ability to hear God. But I think that's what you experienced, Ashley. But how did you begin to kind of untangle that and move forward? I started realizing how toxic the environment was when I observed how it affected other people. I've always been the type of person to 
want to protect others and I'll protect others before I protect myself. And I started noticing people getting hurt that I cared about and I started standing up for them. And then I realized I was experiencing those things too. And I stayed in the toxic environment a lot longer than I should have because I thought I could fix it. Well, and as your mom, I actually remember some pretty intense anxiety that you Mm -hmm. experienced directly related to that and where you would walk into a church environment and your entire body would tense up. I don't know if you remember that, but, and I bring that up because that's, I think, a sign you can look for is if you're going to like a small group or if you're walking into a church environment and all of a sudden you feel, I mean, there might be some social anxiety. That's normal. Like a lot of people can experience that. But if you're feeling this anxiety and this fear walking in these situations, then it might be something you kind of need to unpack and say, okay, why? what have I absorbed? What have I? What am I believing maybe? And what kind of, of hurts are under there? And I, I think as well, if you're leaving an environment, rehashing everything you said, did I, did I say the wrong thing? Did I say the right thing? And again, I think that can happen just in human relationships. But a safe environment, they're going to come alongside you and and they're going to say, you're okay. Like, I'll I'll give an example. I had a a small group where I was kicked out because I was, quote unquote, zealous. I still don't know what that means. I like scripture. I think it, (laughs) it, according to my husband, I just like to talk about the Bible. But I carried that with me for a long time. And so in my small group now, we had a discussion that was revelations (laughs) that was deep. And I felt really anxious and, and I started to cry and I said, I don't want to lose you guys. And I was able to share with them, this is what I experienced in the past. This is what I'm afraid of here. And they came alongside me and they said, I'm, first of all, I'm sorry. That was not okay. And second of all, we're not going to do that to you. And third of all, it's okay if we disagree. I say that to say in a safe environment, you, you're able to talk about those things more readily. They, they give you a reason and they give you a chance to fix it, and they are with you in mistakes. I, I think I had that happen with my other group, too. I, I was kicked out because my presence made them uncomfortable, and they never gave me a reason why I made them uncomfortable, and they never gave me a chance to fix it. And so I, you know, carried that with me, too, of worrying, am I doing something that I don't even know, that I don't understand, to make this new group uncomfortable? It took you a bit to find a safe group, though. Yep, I I think I was searching for that even while I was with the old group and, and didn't even know it. And and I think you you've said it before, but that I like kept going to church in spite of church. You know, I, it was really hard and, and you know, I did have you and dad sometimes to find a new church with me, but other times it was me going on internship, being 900 miles away trying to go by myself or me trying to find a new church group at college and and I still carried the anxieties with me that prevented me from really connecting with them because I always held back a part of me. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth. 
as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. So being a woman in ministry for so long, so what would you say to the person who just says, you know, I feel defective because of these hurts? What would you say to them? Well, the first thing that comes to mind as I listen to the two of you talk about your experiences is the book, The Body Keeps the Score. And what you're experiencing is a physical response to stress. So it's adrenaline, right? So in the past, when you were in an uncomfortable situation or an abusive situation, whatever term you want to use, your body experiences that moment in a certain way. And I, I recognize this from my experience with grief over the last year. So when I was struggling with grief, when we were a month out from losing our granddaughter to cancer, the adrenaline in me would cause me to not be able to breathe deeply. Like I would catch myself feeling breathless and tight in my chest. And that feeling reappeared the month before the one-year anniversary. It's as if my body remembered that experience in such a way that I lived it all over again. The the book, uh, I don't Vander I can't say the author's last name, but the book is The Body Keeps the Score, and they just talk about how your body's reactions are physical manifestations of something that it knows on a very deep level. So I think you even use the term what you absorbed, and that's literally true. Your body is absorbing the hurt in a way that when you experience something that seems related, it will rise to the surface again and you'll have those bodily reactions. Um, So like I said, I experienced that the month before her one-year anniversary. There were three or four times in a week that I literally caught myself having to stop and take deep breaths, reminding myself to breathe deeply and get past that kind of adrenaline rush that I was struggling with. So that's the first thing, is just to recognize that it's a symptom of something that physically happened to you, and it can be a clue that you need to pay attention to your feelings. Sometimes when you get in those moments, one of the best things you can do in response is to stop and breathe deeply and look around at five physical things you can you can notice. I see a blue wall. I see the yellow sun. I feel my hand on my wrist. Physical sensations that you can kind of bring yourself back to your body and and pay attention to what's going on. The abuse itself is a struggle for, I think we were talking about the women in ministry question in a lot of ways, and you brought it up that way to me since that's the experience I have, that's what I can can address. When I I did I absorbed a lot of things from my early church experience that I wouldn't have then termed abuse because it was just the way things were. So even when I was in college and I had lots of opportunities for leadership, like Ashley mentioned, it didn't occur to me that that might be an option in the church. Because in the churches I was in, I had not observed women in leadership. I'd not seen women invited to pray or sing or teach or do anything from the platform. So I didn't feel like I was missing anything, but I had this huge disconnect between church and real life. Mm-hmm. So my day-to-day life, I could be this person, but at church, I was expected to be that person. So that's where that 
sense of uh, disconnect comes in. It's like, I'm not really being myself. God wired me this way. I noticed that most when I was in direct sales. And I was sensing a shift and wanting to do something else. And I was thinking about the way God had used me in direct sales, used my gifts for public speaking and leadership and recruiting. And I thought, why would God design me that way only to sell products to people that they don't need? Like, why, why would that be God's plan? And that question is what led me to study more and try to figure out what God was calling me specifically to do. There's a couple of things I really like about what you said. You investigated. Yes. And I, I think sometimes if we feel something and we're not quite sure what we're feeling, if we, because like I think I shared with you, like it took me time to kind of unpack mm-hmm. some of my hurts and, and some of the ways I viewed myself because of just culture that I wasn't aware of. And so I think our emotions are signals, right? And so if we're feeling a certain way, I think hitting pause and investigating mm-hmm. for ourselves. And I think it's super important. You talked about about grieving. And I know there's, there's uh, I've known women who in a church setting have been told you've cried enough mm. or this shouldn't bother you or put on your happy face now, obviously, there are exceptions to this. Our group may notice that maybe we need a little extra help, like maybe we have depression or anxiety, or maybe we've got a deeper hurt than than really we can deal with in that group setting. And so they might lovingly encourage us to get therapy. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm really referring to here is just safe places where we can be authentic with our weaknesses, with our struggles, where where we can be anxious, where where we can be imperfect. And to not feel like we're being shut down for that. Because when people, when they when they begin to judge us for our emotions, that can do a couple things. One, it's a deep rejection. I think that's a, a, a depth of rejection that is really hard to conceptualize or, to, or to, to name. Because when you're rejected at a time of deep need, it's like a double rejection, I think. And then two, I think it's confusing. And then three, I think it's this idea that, well, I'm not okay in Jesus. And so I would say, give your, let yourself feel whatever you're feeling, and if you're in an environment, I guess what would you say, Ash, if you're in an environment where your circle is not open to you feeling, like being honest with your feelings? Find a new one. There there are lots of churches out there. There's lots of church groups out there. You know, um, you can find a new group within your church, or you might need to find a new group outside of your church in a different church, and that that's okay. You know, I think... You can't fix every situation, and sometimes you got to protect your own spirituality and your own emotional health. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, uh, kind of a shameless plug, Holy Love Ministries does have an online private support group. It's on Facebook, and so that's a safe place. We work super, super hard to keep it safe. And so for those of you, and I know there are people out there, especially those who are global, who can't really find a church right now or a body of believers, and I know online is not a substitute for one-on-one, but maybe we can be a bridge of healing. And one of the reasons that this issue, why it's so important to me that we talked about this, there's a couple reasons, is we're losing people. We're losing people in the church, not because they don't believe in Jesus, not because they're turned away by truth, but because they're hurt. And I saw that, I think, in some of your experiences where I just saw, I would call it a mass exodus of people that not just left the group, but left 
church period not just that church but church period and and that's really hard to see and there was this quote from research from Barna research group and they said in fact one Barna study among unchurched adults shows that nearly four out of every 10 non-church going Americans said they avoid churches because of negative past experiences in churches or with church people and then they went on to say research shows that most unchurched people so that's more than four out of five were formerly regular participants in church life, many of whom departed after an ugly incident that hurt them deeply. And first of all, I'm saying to all of us, because we all make up the church if we belong to Jesus, I'm saying not on our watch. Like, we need to be super, super careful that we never do anything to get between someone else and Jesus. Like, that's on us. And then second, to those who've experienced that, again, I'm just going to say I'm sorry. Because that's on us. Like, that that's on the church. That's not okay. We're, the church is supposed to be a safe place. And I would encourage you, like Ashley's saying and like Don's saying, keep trying, keep looking, keep searching. In a way, I think that's what's going to be challenging. You're searching, already feeling rejected. And then if you're going into hard situations, I think it would be really easy to absorb that as you keep trying as well. Yeah, I think another thing that's worth mentioning, too, is that our identity cannot be tied up in the church we attend. Our identity is in Christ, and if that's in place first, it's actually easier to have relationships with others in a way that's supportive without being codependent, would be another way to put it. Um, the getting your identity right in Christ first has to happen before I think we can have healthy relationships and groups. And that can be a process. Sure. Especially if we're in an environment where that's been confused. Mm -hmm. And so then we've got to unpack that and say, okay, maybe just ask God, like, first of all, what's going on with me? Jesus, how do you see me? And let Mm -hmm. that be a process. Like, give a, it might take 10, 20 years for, for some people who've really experienced significant hurt and read the scriptures and just watch how Jesus relates to people mm-hmm. and say, is, is this consistent with what I'm seeing? How would Jesus respond in this situation? And one of my favorite, favorite passages, it comes from John chapter 9. And so there was a man, he was blind, he was born blind. And so in his day, this was in Bible times, everyone just assumed that either he had sinned or his parents had sinned. So he carried this shame his whole entire life, most likely. Jesus healed him. And then he went to the temple to kind of be get, get the, yes, you're healed, this is good, let's investigate it, okay, everything's good, so that he could be just welcomed into this, probably this world that he'd been rejected from, and they kicked him out. They kicked him out because of Jesus in him, and I think that's important, is sometimes it will be the Jesus in us that will prick other people, and so I think recognizing that. But anyway, they, they kicked this man out, and then scripture says, when, when Jesus heard that they kicked him out, he found him. I just have this picture of this man. That was spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. He didn't conform with their ideas, their power structure. And so he was out. But Jesus sought him out. And that to me was such a statement that said, I saw your pain. I see you. I'm for you. And I'm pursuing you. The last thing I'd like to talk about is just those who feel like 
you know what, God's called me to this, but this roadblock is here. So what would you say to those who who feel like like this, whatever they're experiencing is hindering their calling? Mm. For me specifically, it's funny because in my experience, I wasn't hindered with a a wall that said, you're not allowed to. I was hindered with leaders who wouldn't have a conversation about it. So they literally, it, it they seemed very supportive on the outside. I was allowed to do a lot of things, but they wouldn't have a conversation about the theology underneath it and why it was or wasn't okay in their context. And so I just kept searching for other opportunities, and that led me to grad school, where I found healing at a church that allowed women to serve in whatever way they were gifted. And so that was six years of healing, not just because I got to go to grad school, but because I was in a church community that accepted me for all of me, right? The, the whole personality, I wasn't too much, I could use my gifts and all that. Um, so I would just say to keep asking questions, to keep leaning into what God is calling you to, and not um, not just what you see as the roadblocks or the hindrances around you. I think Ashley mentioned early on the, the challenge of being in a place where she couldn't um, move forward or have all of your gifts. I can't remember how you said it at the beginning. Um, it was a disconnect between, like, I think I was talking about where, you know, in school and in my career, I was being put into these leadership roles that weren't encouraged. And then the traits that people liked in me in my school and career were discouraged. Right. Me being loud was seen as leadership in my career were seen as annoying in the church. Right. You're uh, you're actually not loud. So I, I, I reject that. Being forthright, yes. Being direct, Yes, that's not loud. I think that, that is the word they use to describe it, which again was part of what was hurtful about it was because it was vague and confusing and didn't give me specific attainable critiques. Mm-hmm. Didn't tell me what they wanted from me. And the reality is in church culture for the last, I don't know, at least 40 years or so, we've definitely socialized women to look like a certain type. And the reality is God designed women of all types, and God designed men of all types, and our personalities don't align with gender differences, and the Bible doesn't teach Christianity for women and Christianity for men. It just teaches discipleship. Mm-hmm. And this this point, because we haven't really talked about men yet, and so men experience all of these same same encounters, like, for example, if... You know, if a man wants to cook mm-hmm. or if a man chooses to stay home with, with the kids. Or work in the nursery. Or work in the nursery. Yeah. So I think it, it's across the spectrum. We don't want to say that we're, <coughs> we're um, that it's just women. We are women, so I think we see it from our perspective. But there are a lot of men who also experience, experience just like last week you heard Philip Yancey, that he had some pretty deep hurts that he had to unpack and work through that could have hindered his calling if not for grace and so i would just say just keep leaning into into grace and and keep figuring out like searching out who jesus is and if you're in an environment i think this would be the linchpin i guess i would say you had referenced it earlier ashley and this to me is what is so accurate between health and and dysfunction in healthy environments we all have rough edges and we all have sin and we all have things that annoy other people and in healthy environments we talk it out 
and we don't end the relationship. In unhealthy environments, you're either accepted or you're out, is, is a lot of times what, what I have seen. And I would also put that a step further and say in healthy environments, the authority is open to criticism, is open to you addressing hurts, is, is open to... Dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In unhealthy environments, you trying to be open and, and be honest and be, I guess, blunt about issues is discouraged. Right. And I think that's another good thing. There's an article I read about if, if you sent it actually, Dawn, about how the younger generation, I'm going to call your generation Ashley Younger, they need a space where they can wrestle and ask questions and express doubt. Like that is a safe environment. Jesus was totally okay with doubt and with questions. He was not okay with shutting people down and with hard-heartedness. And so, yeah, absolutely. And I think if you have a church environment, I know when I look back at some of my environments, the leadership did not practice Matthew 18 conflict resolution. And if the leadership is not facilitating their role in hard conversations, then I think there will be dysfunction that trickles down. And people will get hurt. And then I think we we also need to learn not to own other people's behavior to recognize when it's sin in them, when it's insecurity coming out in them, and start to kind of just take a step back. I think our first reaction is to blame ourselves and, like, something's deficient in me. But to take a step back and try to evaluate the situation, like you said, Ashley, when you could see it happening to other people, then it was you could see it more clearly than for yourself. Yeah, I think... You know, sometimes compassion can be seen as a weakness, but for me, my compassion for others is what brought me strength and what gave me the courage to help myself. I love your heart, Ashley, and I love how God used your gift of compassion, your gift of advocacy, to really speak to you about your situation and to bring you on your healing journey. And I think that would be a great place for us to end this episode, is focusing on God our Father, on His desire that we would experience increased emotional and spiritual freedom and really just leaning into him and following him as we resolve some of those past hurts that we've experienced. Thank you for listening. We recognize this is a really complicated, complex, and often confusing topic. And we also recognize a lot of people have been deeply, deeply hurt in the name of religion, by the church, or by those who claim to be Christ followers. And there's no easy answer when it comes to healing and kind of unpacking all of the deception, all of the lies, separating that from truth, separating people, broken, wounded, and and sometimes even toxic people and their actions from the love, grace, and truth of Christ. Hopefully today just started you on that journey and and got you kind of prayerfully processing where you're at and where God wants to take you in your journey and others of you if you've already if you've already taken your first steps towards healing if you've already begun to kind of make sense of some of the hurts you've experienced then I hope today just adds one more step for you. And for all of us, I I pray that we would engage with others in a way that is loving and grace-filled, that we would recognize that our actions and our words do have lasting impact. 
If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, then you won't miss a single episode. And I would love it if you would rate it. That encourages me and my team, and it also helps others to find it. Make sure to share it with your friends. This is a great episode for you to talk through, grab some people, maybe grab your small group and and talk through this episode and the questions that we'll put in the show notes. We can all be a part of creating safe, healthy places where people can can come, they can grow, they can experience healing, and most importantly, they can experience the love of Jesus Christ. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's Word, one verse at a time, to explore His will for your life and desire to draw closer to Him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.